fresh off yet another uh, crushing Monopoly victory on a day off at home. This is the Development Hell Podcast, episode number 57 for your listening pleasure on February 16th in the year of our Lord, 2015. Um, this is a rare day. That's not a, that's not a weekend day that I actually not have uh, spoken to Ed via instant message uh, where we're bugging each other about something. So, Ed, how are you doing on this holiday? Is it a holiday? Well, it's a holiday for me. Is it a President's Day or Washington's Day a holiday for you? Yeah, it's supposed to be, but I don't have it off of work, and the kid had to make it up for a snow day. So, Damn, that's, yep. that's harsh. Snow day. So Yeah, yeah. snow days. We've only had one snow day up here in Kanukistan, well, my you, part of Kanukistan anyway, so we're got, doing okay, I think. Yeah, you guys are probably better prepared than we are. Uh, a lot more complaining, but probably better better prepared. That's good. Yep, yep. Uh, so before we get into our show, we're going to talk about our sponsors, Ed. We have two wonderful sponsors. Uh, why don't you let the listening audience know about them? Yep. Um, uh, first off are the wonderful Wonder Network. Um, that is singular. They only cover one network. and But really what it is is that you only need one network. Wonder Network. The only network you need. And they provide us with the uh, bandwidth uh, for our live stream, which um, the multitudes are listening on right now. Uh, let's see. How many people do we have listening? Seven. We have seven people listening. Seven. Live. Well, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty good since it's pretty super obscure and you have to figure out how to load like an M3U file and it's not anything that a normal human being can do. So that's a way we weed out you know, people we don't want. Um, <laughs> so Wonder Network, uh, they have an army of photographers uh, who go around, who live around the world and will travel different locations. And what they do is they go uh, on their Chromebooks or internet cafes and load up your website in different places and then take a picture of it so you can see what it looks like. They actually have a person. They take a picture um, they, uh, it's an instant camera, like a Polaroid kind of daily. And then they, uh, scan the Polaroid and, um, email that back to the headquarters and who then, um, send that to you in a package and you get that in the mail, like, like, you know, like a week later. And then you know what your website looks like in a different car, in a different. Yeah, part of the it world. really is a super high tech setup. And I remember when Paul was telling us about it, I was mm. I was really impressed. Right. Um, it was worse before they scanned it. Um, they just had to send Polaroids around, and that was harder. Now uh, they have that whole thing figured out, so uh, they'll do all that for you. And uh, that's what Wonder Network does. And then also, I guess they, uh, I don't know, VPNs or uh, they have some API to check if your stuff is up or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so we have a good relationship with them. And then also Rove. Uh, Rove. Um, what can I say about them that hasn't been said already? Uh, last time we spoke, um, Rove, uh, we had gotten into hardware manufacturing, and they were making amber uh, monochrome monitors. Um, but sadly, some supply chain problems, and I don't yeah. think it's going to be the profit center that we thought it would be. I know it's just you know, but that's one of the uh, that's one of the things that really impresses everybody about Rove is their ability to pivot, 
pivot quickly. So what they're doing now is making um, plugins for the uh, video toaster uh, that powered by your Commodore Amiga that everybody has at their home. And of course does video production with, and he, uh, the special, uh, plugins, uh, that let you do things like, uh, take that picture of the clown and rotate it around on a cube that spins around, or, uh, you, uh, you know, take some, uh, picture of, uh, let's say not a clown. Let's say it's a giraffe. But it's video of a giraffe, and you can have that video spinning around on like a, a a sphere instead of a cube. And they can do that, and that's the kind of fancy stuff you're doing. So they're mainly aiming this at the um, basic cable market, is my understanding. So they're going to be moving into that sector now. Um which I think is going to be a, a pretty big thing. And also, I believe you get a free uh, copy of Hot Dog HTML Editor with every purchase. Oh, the premium edition, that was a, we, we negotiated a really good deal. Oh, that, that's, yes, yeah, I should say it's the premium edition. It's not, it's not, this isn't kids stuff. I mean, I know folks out there are thinking, well, Rove, what have you done for me lately? This is the kind of uh, big time stuff that they're doing is uh, they're bringing you the tools that you need to create 15 or 30 second commercials for basic cable uh, in NTSC standard resolution and to create a website which may or may not have embedded MIDI files so that people can find you on the World Wide Web. Surfing the web, they'll surf in your direction. Rove, let's all surf the web. That was beautiful. Thank I you. know Evan's going to be really happy with that. Thank you. That's great. Hey, what's that so, other thing you guys are doing? Is that is that a... Oh, we still kind of do some of this PHP stuff, but that's we really we really try to downplay that part of the business. That's not a, that's not a profit center. That's no, not a... That's not a, oh, oh, but you know what? There is something that I'm not going to make complete fun of. Uh, is, have you guys been talking about the Rove Foundation? Uh, well, we've just been talking about it a little bit, but basically with Rove Foundation, what we're trying to do, and all the credit for this goes to uh, Gary, uh, as much as I hate him. Um, Gary Hawken is the one that came up with the idea where we want to try to act um, as a clear, uh, the idea was to help um, disadvantaged developers um, via through circumstance or, or or other things to get to be able to go to conferences on someone else's dime and get free tickets and sponsorships and scholarships and stuff like that and um, the response to it has been really really good there have been several companies that have actually said to us yeah you know we'd like to get involved with this and um, and you know we'd be happy to you know purchase a ticket for one of these conferences and and let and you know and let Rove handle who gets it and and the terms and conditions and all that other stuff so um, I'm watching with gate great interest as Gary gets this thing going and uh, we're hoping to kind of expand it and and see if we can't get more companies involved, companies that want to give something back to, to PHP specifically and in the form of actually allowing uh, more developers to attend conferences. Now is this the m- being funded by the money that Gary has been skimming off the top? 
No, I think Gary's still spending that on uh, spending that on um, pints of Guinness and um, and packages of crisps. And he, I understand he gambles a lot on darts. So mm, I, that's, that's what fair. I bet where all the money's going. Okay, fair enough. I mean, but maybe the law, financial laws are different in the UK, and maybe that's like totally acceptable use of sponsorship money. But I mean, I don't know. Who, I, I really shouldn't judge. Seems okay to me. Yeah. So with our with our awesome sponsors, uh, and for those who are actually, in all seriousness, are interested in finding out more about um, Roe Foundation, we'll provide a link to it in the show notes, or you can uh, fire up your favorite search engine, DuckDuckGo or Bing or or AltaVista, and um, see uh, look for search for Roe Foundation and. and Hopefully nobody's Google bombed us and it links to something really strange. Anyway, speaking of things that are strange, uh, I want to introduce our guest. Uh, I've been talking to him for a while to try to get him onto the show and trying to work around his uh, incredibly busy schedule. But I'm very happy that that, um, uh, the Internet's own um, Anthony Ferreira, otherwise known as the poorly spelled IRC Maxell on both IRC and on Twitter is joining us. Anthony, hello. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Lucky number 57. Lucky number fifty-seven, and he managed to stay quiet for for like nine minutes, which is pretty, which is pretty awesome. I thought maybe at some point we we're going to lose him. So he fell asleep. Um, I probably fell asleep and just he yep. heard heard us yelling his name, so he came on. <laughs> so, so uh, like I said earlier on Twitter today, I find given recent uh, uh, events in the PHP internals um, community slash shit show, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, Given what happened in the past couple of days, I think it's very fitting that we have um, Anthony on. And I know we don't want we don't want this to devolve into uh, just us uh, complaining about PHP internals because we could probably fill up like a six hour podcast of just Anthony and I talking about this. Even though I, okay. uh, even though like our perspectives on this are totally different, because Anthony having actually been involved in PHP internals and stepped away, and me watching from afar and shaking my head all the time at uh, the decisions that come out. But we're just going to get into that a little bit, but uh, I wanted to talk more. I want to talk about things not necessarily related to PHP, but more about um, Anthony as a person and stuff like how Anthony blocked me on Twitter because I was an yeah. asshole and uh, other wonderful things like that. But first of all, these days, uh, and this is actually part of the reason why Anthony blocked me is that Anthony uh, um, is now working at Google as a developer advocate. Is that the correct title? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly it. Developer advocate. Yes, and Anthony blocked me because I was making fun of him about it at Sunshine PHP last year. So, and he told me to stop. And of course, I, since I don't like authority, I kept bugging him. So, um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you actually are doing at Google? And as we said before, we start recording. So you can talk about as much or as little about uh, what you're doing at Google sure. as um, as you're comfortable with. So I work on a partnerships team. Um, our basic drive is to make partners successful through whatever an engineering means necessary, which is really kind of nice because we can focus on any Google product that we choose. So I cover anything from Chrome to Android to all of our other docs and drive products, et cetera, um, which is kind of technically daunting because there's quite a lot of options there. But I cover all of them and I focus on specific industries. So me personally and the couple of the guys on my team, we specifically work with enterprise education and uh, productivity partners. So it's really kind of cool because we get to design these deep integrations, design um, new ways to push their, the partners' products forward and then drive that feedback into our engineering teams internally to then drive the products forward as well. It's really uh really kind of a fun gig. So, and you're based out of New York City, right? That is correct. 
Right. Yep. So, uh, so has work like has working for Google been what you expected it would be like? Um, it's a fascinating company. Um, it's unlike any other company I've worked for before, kind of flirting that line between it's a big company, but it's also very small at heart. You know, there's amazing transparency internally. Um, anybody can literally step up and say something that they think is wrong and people will actually listen. It's, it's fascinating. Um, I didn't really know what I was expecting when I went in, but I know it wasn't this. It, it yeah. I don't know what else I can say there. It's, <laughs> uh, it's kind I, don't of I don't know. I'm not, it's not like I'm trying to dig for dirt or anything. I'm just kind of wondering oh, how definitely. your, how your expectations have, have lined up with reality. So, um, with, All right, with, so, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, with a company like Google, it's kind of hard to set expectations because it's really a one-of-a-kind company, and the culture, it's so driven internally by its culture um, that unless you can experience that culture and come in on the inside, it's really, really hard to judge it um, and to know really what to expect. Right, so you're probably, let me, I'm trying to do that because mm-hmm. while you are talking, I was doing numbers in my yep. head, so you're probably the fourth trying to think now one two yeah fourth php associated person that i've met who either works for or has worked for google so there's you there's uh, omni adams who worked mm-hmm. for google for a while yep. um doing stuff internally because they use php a lot internally for internet stuff and then i guess ian barber and rowan i always yep. m- forget his name that's it, Rowan Muirwood, yep. uh, as people semi-involved with the PHP community who, who have or currently work um, for Google. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. I, w- I would imagine, I mean, Omni, I remember when I first met Omni, I had a long talk, and he was kind of telling me about, uh, I just found it interesting that Google, very, I guess, pragmatically was using PHP for stuff internally because why not? It's not To them, it didn't matter because it was an internal tool, but I guess um, the perception of what, of the of what they're using that they expose to the outside world, I imagine that probably matters a lot more than they're you know getting a bunch. They hired a bunch of people to to hack away building PHP apps for them internally. Uh, I mean, a company at that scale is going to have a couple side projects in every single language out. It's not just you know someone exploring on their twenty percent time, just sitting down and saying, "Hey, I want to make a new app," so they pick a different project. There's right. all sorts of expertise within that company, so. Cool. All right. So let's move on to stage two of our awesome discussion. So PHP internals. So I'm going to say a bunch of things and then I'm going to let Anthony comment. So, and like I said, this, this could go on forever or we could just find a way to kind of keep it. I don't know. uh, I'm not sure what the right label to apply this is. So as a person that's worked with PHP for an extremely long time, but has had zero influence on the language itself, simply because I'm not a member of the internal team. I don't, um, I don't know enough C and or C plus plus or whatever they're designed to use these days. I believe it's C, but whatever. Um, in there and do anything. So I couldn't even suggest patches. All I can do is like most people is just piss and moan about um, what PHP does now and what we think PHP should do. And so for many many years. Um, PHP internals was uh, seen as a place that was um, very toxic for people to participate in. And it also has been perceived that the builders of the language have a very, very different view on what PHP is and what PHP should should be than the people who 
who I, I don't think just is the right label, but for the people that are like everyday users of it. And so things have changed somewhat and that now we have, uh, there is a request for comments uh, process. Although in, in my opinion, most of these requests for comments things are just systems designed to, again, help things stay at the status quo. And you put up a bunch of barriers and you make it so that you have to really put a lot of effort into just to get the existing people who've already contributed and done stuff to change their minds about the way things are supposed to work. The barrier for new things um, appears to me to be really, really super high to get introduced into PHP, but the barrier to keep things the way that they are, like to, no one's ever asked to justify why something that already exists is still in there. The barrier for defending that, for, for advocating that seems to be really, really low. And I don't know if that's a dynamic that other people have noticed, or maybe it's not really that way and it's just, it fits some sort of narrative I want in my head, but it sure seems like to get anything new done is like really, 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 really super difficult and you have to work really hard at it. And just to keep the same old shit in place requires no effort at all. And that no, and there's never this justification of no one ever goes back and says, hey, you know how we have this stuff inside PHP? Um, do we still need it? Should we still keep it around? The barrier for those type of decisions, to me anyway, seems to be really, really low. Um, I'm sitting here trying to think of how I, how I want to respond to that. And I don't really think that's a fair assessment of what's actually going on. Um, let's rewind. About a year and a half ago, I very publicly quit the project. Um, and I had a quote in there that internals is a toxic kindergarten. Uh, that was actually not me who said that it was someone else. But back then, I really felt that the actual internals process itself, the people, the contributors, it was kind of this toxic kindergarten of really, really difficult to, to get to anything done. And I did mean anything. Um, taking a step back since that, in the, in the past year and a half, I've still contributed actively. I never really left the project. I just kind of helped people in back channels and on the side. And I really didn't interact with internals. And what I started to gain is a little bit more perspective into the process. And what winds up happening is simple things, things that are relatively obvious or it's clear to see what the win is for everybody, go through without a hitch. Um, a lot of the stuff that Andrea did uh, fit that mold and there was almost no problem. There was almost no fighting going on. You, you can see uh, return type hinting, for example, passed almost unanimously. So, and there was very relatively little bickering. There was a little bit around the exact syntax, but when, when you try to look at and break down what's controversial and where the drama comes, it's those things that really don't affect everybody. So the, you know, the elephant in the room is scalar type hinting today, and it's easy to sit back and point and say, well, look at that madness that's going on internals. But the reality is the community is divided. You have probably about a third of the people who believe strict type hinting is absolutely evil. You have a third of the people who think it's the only way to do it, and then a third of the people who are kind of in the middle. And it winds up being a really, really... It should be a passionate situation, and it should be something that there are barriers up to introducing things like that, because you're going to affect literally tens of millions of people, maybe even hundreds of millions of people. You're going to affect their daily lives with these decisions, and we're going to have to maintain them for three, five, ten, twenty years. So perhaps there should be a barrier, but the barrier should be on the technical side, not on the community side. And I think that's where my, my conflict comes, is I feel too often we're putting barriers up on the emotional 
and making things unnecessarily emotional. And sure. that's, that's the core of the problem. Sure. Here, here's a here's an interesting question for you, though, Anthony. Now, let, mm-hmm. We talk about the stuff that that Andrea did, okay? Yep. And so you talk you talk about return um, type hinting, that and then the new the and then the scalar um, type hinting. So you talk about how the return stuff sailed through nice and smooth. Um, could you? I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at it, couldn't you say that the reason why it sailed through smoothly as well is that I don't think you could. Uh, I don't think there's any denying that. The work that Facebook and some other external contributors have been putting into HHVM um, and Hack, it is putting pressure on PHP itself. The further, yes. you know, the 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 further that the two projects diverge in terms of um, language syntax, um, and with Facebook, uh, you know, working to promote HHVM as an alternate runtime for PHP, that puts pressure on the PHP internals team to look at and say, do we? You know, Facebook has decided that these features are important for the version of PHP that they want to run. And I think that's actually the label that people should probably yeah. apply to HHVM. It's the version of PHP that Facebook wants. And yep. I, I don't think there's any problem with having it um, labeled as that. So return types sailed through. You could say return types sailed through really easily because hack, hack and HHVM, yep. no hack has it. So, you know, it's it's very hard to say, well... This version of PHP has it, but we don't want it for our own. So I think you could look at that and say, that was a pretty easy sell. I don't think you had to convince people to say, well, they've made it work, and here are some tangible benefits, and it's optional, so easy enough to, yep. to include. The, the, thing that I've, uh, the thing that I'm that I personally um, am so upset about, and that led to me tweeting a whole bunch of stuff on the weekend about this, mm-hmm. including having people telling me, that, oh, don't worry, it's going to show up in PHP 7. And I'm thinking, that's not even remotely the point. Um, is this idea that a lot of these things that are being proposed, um, they're going to be optional as well. I don't believe that when we say we want scalar type hinting in PHP itself, that it's going to be mandatory, that the language will not work if you don't start type hinting. I mean, I think yep. Facebook really had the good idea of, gra- of, I love the description of this as being um, gradual typing. So you can, it's there if you want to use it, but no one is going to make you use it. So um, that's why sometimes these discussions, uh, when I see the, uh, the opinions of the internals people as they leak out into social media. Sometimes I wonder, it's like, what, what, you know, what is it that I'm not seeing that to me, it looks like if this thing is, if this thing is optional, then why is this causing such consternation amongst people? So there's a simple answer there, which is that just because it's optional doesn't mean that you're never going to run into it as a developer. Um, Every single option that you put in adds complexity to the language, especially when you're talking things like a strict type hinting switch, like the declare syntax that was in the, the current proposal. That adds a significant amount of complexity both to the implementation and to developers writing it. Because now all of a sudden... Yeah, you can choose not to use it, but what happens if you look at a library and you're debugging a buggy library that's actually using um, that 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 feature, that switched feature, that optional feature? It then becomes non-optional. So it, it, it's a weird balance in that, yes, if it's optional, then it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But on the other hand, we kind of, in language design, you have to weigh all of these trade-offs, and you can't just toss everything in the kitchen sink in there because one person wanted it. Okay, hold on. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can answer something for me. You talk about uh, 
talk about a, a feature that's been quote unquote, and I'm doing air quotes, but yeah. of course nobody can see it optional. But if you look at some, uh, uh, as you mentioned this, I'm, I'm trying to think in my head of an example where if we're using type hinting, um, mm-hmm. And you're relying on the type hinting to be there. So basically, uh, that you're writing code. I guess the danger is that people would be writing code, um, assuming that the type hinting is there, and therefore some of the type of checks that they might have been doing in their code before checking uh, against or recasting values sure. or or checking is this an array, is this a boolean, yep. whatever. Because I mean, I've seen people do that. Um, in code, and it always makes me grind my teeth. But yep. um, I, I could see why. But I just, I mean, you know, I just look at this and go, so many, so many people that use the language seem to want this feature. That's like they they say I would like to have the additional label of stability and consistency yep. um, added to my code base by being able to use something like this. Well, uh, and that's the fundamental dilemma here and that's I think where the war is today because you have some people saying well weak type hints have had overwhelming support there was no controversy behind it but when you look at what people are actually asking for there was an informal poll on Reddit the past couple days and 80% of respondents out of like two to 300 respondents overwhelmingly wanted strict hints so there, there does seem to be a little bit of a divide in there but at the same token, I'd rather have a little bit too much of a barrier getting a new feature in from a technical standpoint. And I really, really want to stress that technical standpoint because we can't be driving people away. We have to be talking about it constructively, but we should have some kind of a constructive limit on what goes in the language. Otherwise, you just wind up with a kitchen sink and it's not useful for anybody. Sure. I mean, I just, I, I mean, I know that I have to preface all this stuff by mm-hmm. saying, because uh, a lot of this, a lot of these concerns about consistency and, and helping developers do stuff are, are all things that have been popping into my head as I've been um, working on my, my book about taking the hack stuff and, uh, and applying it to a legacy code base to add stability and consistency, because that's usually one of the bigger problems that you find in, in large legacy code base, uh, an Absolutely. incredible lack, an incredible lack of consistency in the way um, things were done. So, well, um, and that actually points to a really interesting point where if you have a large application and a couple developers start tossing in strict mode in some of the files and you're not really religious about how you do it, all of a sudden you could wind up editing a file that complete, behaves completely different than you're expecting to without realizing it, which is a real danger. Um, no, I, I agree that could happen. So, uh, I mean, I don't know, Anthony. I don't know how much more I want to talk about PHP internals, as like because because it, it's just, it, it's, you know, it, it's you know, it's bad enough. Like, and I know you talked about this earlier on Twitter today. So it's bad enough that people are constantly making fun of PHP and saying stuff like, "Oh, if you're a PHP dev, you should stop." You know, you should stop being a programmer because you're actually hurting the industry. And 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 I and I did say I don't I don't I just don't feel like wasting any yeah. time. I just don't see why it's a I don't see why it's a valuable discussion to remind people, hey, people don't like PHP. Yep. Like I said, anyone that's used the project for used it on more than one project has already heard how horrible it is. So, but this brings me to the to the to the other thing I wanted to talk about. So cool. and, and this may be something that resolves in 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 um, Anthony hanging up. So <laughs> be ready, people. So one of the things I have noticed 
um, in your advocacy, and you do it differently from how I do it, is that you, uh, I know this is such a loaded thing to say because of U.S. politics, I notice you, you work very hard to try to provide what I would call a fair and balanced approach to the advocacy. You do have a tendency to try to show both sides of an argument. And personally, I think when it comes to something like a programming language, that fair and balanced um, has no place. There's, there's, there's really, I don't, don't think, I don't think always showing the counterpoint to something is either productive or guides, guides the language in a direction um, that it needs to go. People change, the needs of, needs of programmers change, languages that, um, now I don't necessarily want to say PHP is one of these, but languages that constantly ignore what the everyday user Everyday user and maybe the intermediate users, not the super advanced ones, because they'll find ways around all this shit anyway. But but the beginner to intermediates, when they start saying, you know, I really wish the language had this thing, because this would really help me uh, to solve this problem. If those same type of things come up over and over again, and the people that build the language ignore them, I think that puts the language in a really bad spot. I can't say how how Ruby handles this, how Python, how um, JavaScript, uh, any other language um, handles this. PHP seems to be kind of driven by committee and popularity and the an inner inner circle having a bigger say than everybody else who has a php.net account. And other languages seem to have like one dude, usually it's a guy, unfortunately, but one person that says, Yep, looks good to me, or nope, this is never going to happen. So, um, you know, I know you're I know you're striving very hard, and you want to present both sides, and that's kind of that's what your personality is like. You're you're always doing point counterpoint. Here's the good side, here's the bad side. But I think sometimes for something like a programming language, where the goal is to create a a tool that is useful for um, a certain subset of things and PHP being a language built for the web is good at doing web stuff. So we should be doing everything we can to make the language useful for web projects of all shapes and sizes and, and other things can be bolted on. I think the fair and balanced approach is just, it's just not a good one. And I think it hinders people's, hinders people's willingness to take a firm position and advocate strongly for something. So, okay, first off, I'm not going to hang up. I don't see that as being an issue, so we're, we're okay. We're cool. Um, right. I, I really don't know how to respond to that because I, I'm going to be fair and balanced. I'm going to take both sides here. Um, <laughs> on one hand, I think pragmatism is incredibly, incredibly important. I think as an industry, we tend to get too wrapped up in the right way of doing it or what's the best way or et cetera, when the more pragmatic approach of just sitting down and trying it and weighing the options is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, you know, what framework should I use? Well, be pragmatic. Don't take a stand because you take a stand and you pick one, you're going to sit with one forever and wind up being an inferior dev. Um, in terms of language design choices, yes, a lot of the BDFL-led projects are incredibly, incredibly successful. But is that because they have a BDFL or is it not? Um, it actually gets down to one of the reasons why I think PHP is is successful is that it doesn't have a BDFL. It's one of the only open source projects I know of that scale 
that has no formal leadership. It's literally community-led. It's a, not a meritocracy. It's a duocracy. You want something changed, you step up and make an RFC. And if people find it interesting, they'll help you with the patch. They'll help you design it. They'll help you guide it. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, to interrupt, I think that's yeah. actually I think that's actually a really good label that you've built up. Um, people want to think that it's a meritocracy, that if you work hard, your stuff will be noticed and then it'll get adopted. It is clearly not that at all. You're right. It is a it is a duocracy. I mean, is that do ocracy? But I know that's what I googled earlier. I know I'm making a joke. Um, so uh, it really is. You're right. You if you want something done, you need to step up and convince at least two thirds of the other people who uh, have met um, met the. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think of the correct way to the arbitrary condition to be allowed to vote. Yep. So um, with the, is that you have contributed something. You could even be in the dark distant past and you've done nothing for years, but because you have a php.net email account, that's what you need in order to be vote. I don't, I actually personally don't have a problem with that. I don't care how they decide um, who gets to have a vote. So, um, and I do bring up a point. I mean, Projects that are, I think projects that are successful that have one of these benevolent dictators for life, they're probably successful because the, um, the person in charge has the best interest of the project at heart instead of just what they want. And I'm, I'm sure yeah. there have been plenty of, of projects led by really um, passionate, uh, strong, and egotistical people that have failed because they just, you know, they just do what they want. Um, instead of looking at it and say, I may not like this, but I see the benefits of yep. it. So I can put aside my own feelings and say, I believe this is good for the project as a whole. So let's roll with it. Yeah. No, precisely. Cool. Um, someone just said in IRC saying that the RFC process is not broken conceptually, but just uh, the current implementation um, maybe needs some tweaking. I mean, yeah. I, I like the idea of the RFC. You you, you present something, um, you know, you present something, and then here's how I think it should work, and then here's uh, here's some potent, here's some good things about it, here's some some bad things about it. Um, it just seems to me, it seems to me that everything that comes after the initial RFC is where all the problems are. It seems like you, it seems like it, politics and your relationships yes. with the other people who have a vote seem to matter more than the actual idea that's being presented. I mean, that that's my sad. perception. Which is sad. Um, I think that's being unnecessarily hyperbolic about it, but that definitely is there for a lot of proposals, and it is sad. Um, I think people are doing the situation in internals. I would argue today is a lot better than it was a year ago, which was a lot better than it was five years ago. I think the direction it's heading in is great, um, and they're definitely getting stuff done. If you look at the releases that have been coming out lately, it's it's been phenomenal. They've been able to keep up regular release schedules with awesome features and great bug fixes left, right, and center uh, every year like clockwork. So some clearly something is right. It's yeah, we can talk about the things that are broken. We can talk about the politics, um, and we can absolutely need to be talking about driving contributors away. But to say that everything is fundamentally broken and that it's a toxic environment, I think, is only a part of the story. And again, that gets back to be, me being fair and balanced. <laughs> I, I like presenting both sides of the, the issue, but yeah. You mean you're not Machiavellian like me, where I present the side that I want in order to further my argument? I'm very shocked, Anthony. Well, I, I do that a lot, too. I mean, a lot of my blog posts are definitely unnecessarily hyperbolic to get the point across. 
you know, it's different tools for different problems. Because sometimes I want to be right and sometimes I don't care if I'm right. So that's how a lot of how these arguments go yep. with me. So, Ed, you've been super, super silent. Are you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, <coughs> oh, I should have muted that. Sorry. So, God. I mean, what's, what's your thoughts on, on what Anthony and I have been talking about? Um, I think that it's something... I'm, I, I have not ever found myself terribly motivated to participate in internal stuff. Um, observationally, I think that stuff is a lot better than it was five or ten years ago um, in terms of allowing people who are motivated from the outside to make, change, to, 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 to make a difference in the language. Um, I don't know if there's a problem. Uh, right now I, I, and, and so I, because I don't know enough and I don't know the people involved and I don't, I'm not involved into a day to day. Um, I personally was interested in scale or type hinting. Um, and is it the case that I guess I get confused. Are we going to have some kind of scale or type hinting in seven? For sure, the, the RFC deadline to pass is in less than one month, which basically means you've got like three and a half weeks to find that out. Okay, so um, and I guess there's differences between whether that's weak or strong, and uh, that again, I uh, my tendency is that I prefer strong type hinting. If I'm going to have a type hint, I want it to be followed and not just cast. Um. Because, you know, I want it to behave the exact same. I want them to be treated the same way we use hinting with uh, classes. Um, and if if you're going to have type hinting for classes, I don't know why you don't have type hinting for scalers, because I pass scalers just as much or more. And it seems like that would serve the same purpose to me, so I'd like to have them in there, and that would be nice. Um as, you know, some of the stuff that I guess has prompted this conversation is I think you know, and, and maybe not everybody knows, and maybe I don't know, but somebody who, uh, Andrea, what's her last name? I think it starts with an F. Folds. Folds. Andrea Folds. Um, I think she's been relatively new to the project and has contributed quite a bit of stuff. And I think that it's, uh, first off, the things I'm wondering about are, um, uh, you know, in the statement that she made about sort of withdrawing from, from, from stuff and stepping back. Um, she did take the, and you know, whether she was just being nice or I don't know, you know, but she did specifically say that it wasn't a community issue and it was about her and, well, it, and it majority is, so, it wasn't the majority of the community issue. Okay. And so, I think Andrea was just being nice. If you well, want my maybe, personal, maybe personal she opinion was just being nice. That's totally fine. So the question I would ask is I'm less concerned about, did uh did we get uh you know uh, what was it uh forceful type hinting in p in the next version of php and i'm more concerned about somebody who was very active and who was contributing a lot and i guess i'd say this too was uh was an encouraging uh dose of diversity uh to the yes. internals group and now doesn't want to participate anymore. And that's, I'm much more, that is much more what I'm concerned about than 
technically what's going to happen yeah, with the language or not. Um, so, you know, if it's, look, I've had, you know, I can't tell you, and I don't think anybody should speak for her than herself. Yeah. I know that I've had things where it was entirely about me where I had to step away from stuff. I've had times where it was mostly about me, but then there was some other stuff and it's kind of stressful and it's just, that's part of the sort of the, the way the community works. And sometimes it's, it's like that. And sometimes, so sometimes it's a balance of things and stuff like that. Is there something that we need to be doing differently to help to, you know, you're never going to be able to prevent people from saying, look, I've got to stop working on this. I've got other things to do because I think there are more important things than doing stuff like this in your spare time. Um, but, you know, how do we minimize that and how do we make it a welcoming community? Um, and that that's what I'm more concerned about. Now, I don't know because I can't speak to internals. I don't participate in it. Um, all I know is stuff about the language. I know people who do. Sounds like a place that I wouldn't want to kind of get involved in. <laughs> and uh, that's just me. So I choose to kind of participate in other parts of the community. And that's what I do. But um, it does bum me out to see somebody who um, who seemed to be a, a really exciting contributor. Yeah. Then feel like they have to step away completely, not just say, you know what, this RFC maybe isn't a great idea. But say, I cannot be involved in this anymore. Well, that's 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 worrisome, and I think it might. We should take a step back and and see. Well, what did we have something to do with this? I mean, I that's what 100%. I would wonder about. I, I'm I'm way more concerned about that than whether I get scalar type hinting in there or not. So I have a theory here, and I'm very very curious actually to get your your opinion on this Ed specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in the take away internals entirely. Just let's talk about the community as a whole. Um, I kind of see that there's this fundamental problem with emotion and emotional attachment to things and where if, you know, we do a code review in the community and say, hey, I suggest you make this change, both from the side of the person making the suggestion or, um, or the side of the author, I think there's too much emotion going on in here. Uh, I've talked to a couple contributors very recently, um, one of which who kind of surprised me when she said this, that her first open source uh, contribution was one of the most stressful things in her life because mm -hmm. she was so afraid of being negatively judged. Mm -hmm. And to me, I kind of, to me, I, I think we need to separate the emotional attachment of code to the emotional attachment of the long work that you did to create it. Um, big companies I've worked at before that have a formalized code review process, you kind of develop a little bit of a skin to where you realize that when someone says, hey, this particular block of code sucks, you realize that's not saying that you suck. To the community and especially to newcomers, how do we communicate that? How do we prevent that emotional buildup so that we can have these frank discussions that have to be had? Yeah, right, right. Well, I think that's a good question. I, I, I mean, I think there is, uh, you know, there's always, <laughs> no matter what you do to, uh, even in the, in the absolute best circumstances, the most welcoming and least and most positive, uh, you know, situations, you're, you're always going to, at some point or another, 
um, run into folks who have something going on in, inside themselves or, mm-hmm. you know, you say something and you absolutely didn't mean it in a certain way, but they just took it in a way because maybe they had a bad day or maybe they're just freaked out about stuff or what have you. And you're going to, you're going to kind of upset somebody. So it's, it's impossible to a hundred percent of the time, make it so that nobody is ever bothered by something that's put out there. You know, when they put the, you know, you're so it's, you're never going to get perfection in that. Right. Um, I do think that, uh, I do think that people, and for lots of different reasons that we can delve into, uh, you know, about the way the human beings communicate and, uh, how they interact with one another and how they interact with one another when uh, nonverbal cues and things like that are completely removed and things like that. Um, and how those things tend to be interpreted. Uh, so what, what you're uh, implying and what you're inferring and those two things, particularly when you have no nonverbal stuff going on is those can be completely imagined. You can imagine, you know, you can infer a bunch of stuff that was never implied. You know what I mean? Um, and to be fair, yeah. we all do that. I yeah, think. So we absolutely, we all do that. And that's, I'm, I'm very guilty of that. I tend to infer negativity, um, more so than probably your baseline other person. Um, I think that they, it is going they, if you leave it sort of the way it is, and I think that we can all imagine, we know there's, there's communities that are particularly harsh. Um, I've never dealt a lot with it, but I've heard that, for example, the Linux kernel stuff is like, those guys are really, really fucking rude. Right. Um, and not welcoming. And I think there's, I think that, um, there's uh a, there's there's sort of like practicing empathy all around is really important and i think i think the uh, one big way that that happens is that you try to think about what you're saying and you practice how is what you know how does this how does this come across to another person or how might this come across to another person could i use different words that are less likely to trigger a negative reaction but still say the same thing um I believe strongly that you should um, use a sort of uh, aggressive or incendiary language or what have you uh, as little as possible. That should be a last resort. That is what I try to do. But, you know, at the, at the same, so, so there's a different, there's, there's stuff between uh, there's a difference between saying something like, well, this isn't what I would have done here and um that's because this so let me show you a different way and saying i could say that but i could you know or i could say well that was stupid or that was a bad idea or things like that you can kind of express a lot of the you can kind of get to the same place with most people or a lot of people by using less negative language and still get there now this now the other side of it though that I think people need to practice when they go into a group is also um, they need to work on their empathy and this is something I particularly have a lot of trouble with because my tendency is to take things harsher than they're probably intended 
So one of the things I have to practice is empathizing with a potential critical voice that's coming at me. And um, so the empathy kind of has to be on both sides. And I think that there's a lot of that has to do with like, it's hard because these things form so organically. But you really, I mean, optimally what you want to have is you want to have like sort of an onboarding process for people who want to get involved in the community. And you do things like mentoring. You do things like groups that are more welcoming. Groups for new people. And those are places where, you know, people are going to be like, hey, this is sometimes people might say stuff like this. What does that mean? You know, they might say, well, this was a stupid thing to do. Okay, so how are you going to react in that? Because you cannot control what other people are going to say. Um, you know, well, so how do you react that? And, and, and uh, that that's going to happen sometimes. But that prepare yourself that, you know, that that's not the end of the world. That that doesn't mean that, you know, that, that you're not of value or things like that. Um I, so I think that, honestly, I feel like we're better than when we used to be in terms of the PHP community. Um, but it still doesn't have, like, there's still, there's definitely an undercurrent of kind of like, um, you know, there's still sort of an attitude that I see that floats around some where uh, it's kind of, and I think it's particularly amongst internals, with a lot of folks where it's kind of like, well, you either need to do it or step aside. Like I, you know, and that, and that's kind of, uh, well, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. Please. Let me toss out out one thing here. Um, no, no, no. I think a lot of what you said is exactly spot on the money. And a logical extension of that is we need code of conducts for at least larger projects, um, Mm -hmm. to kind of formalize that and help newcomers come in. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing that really, really helps is being able to ping someone in a chat room and have a one-on-one conversation with them. So, you know, I know we had a, um, a little bit of an issue many, many years ago. You wrote a blog post, the micro PHP, um, what was it? Manifesto. Mm-hmm. I replied to it on my blog and you took it in a way I, I wrote it a little bit hyperbolically. Um, my understanding was you took it away that I didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. And we kind of wound up having some friction there. Whereas, had there have been an ability for us to pop together if we'd know each other better at that point mm-hmm. and could pop into a chat room and said, Hey, by the way, you know, I'm kind of upset about this or, you know, Hey, did you mean it this way? Right. All of a sudden things can deescalate very, very quickly. Um, and we've noticed that actually a lot in, you know, I posted a link in IRC to the stack overflow chat room for PHP. We've been doing mentorship of new internals developers in there kind of explicitly, kind of implicitly, but we kind of notice that when people have friction in a written form of communication, like a blog post or like a uh, an email message, re- replying on that medium probably isn't the best thing to do. It's probably better to ping someone right. in something like IRC or in a chat room and say, hey, I took this in a bad way. Can you please explain? And all of a sudden, everything is magically diffused within 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that to be pretty common. Um I've gotten on Skype to talk to folks where it made, you know, where yeah. it's like, look, if you, if I actually hear your voice and you hear my voice, yep, 
And you can see the body language and you can see the intonation. Right. right. And and sometimes I've done it with a couple of folks who, you know, sort of uh, where I've seen them participate and really like poking at each other and, you know, with other folks in the community and really, you know, just doing stuff that I think is really not particularly productive. And it's, it's, it's just a, I mean, sure. it's, it's not some magic about like, well, the PHP community needs to be like this. It's just like, how do you interact with people in a way that increases positivity and lessens negativity? Um, just because I, I think that makes a difference. I just think that, Absolutely. you know, at the end of the day, I feel like your, your measure of how successful you've been in life is how the kind of impact you've had on people around you. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't, you know, as much as possible, I don't want to look back and regret stuff that I said to people. You know, I certainly do. I mean, but... I, I, you know, I want to feel like I made people's lives a little bit easier and I made it, you know, made them feel a little bit better. If I can do that, then that's great. So, it, you know, you put, you practice that within the communities that you are part of. And the PHP community is one of the ones that I'm, you know, I participate in a lot. And so, you know, whatever to, we can do to, to kind of, uh, to kind of help with that, I think is 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 good. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's just the nature of this community compared to some other ones. Is that, you know, like Python has a lot of formalized stuff in the Python Foundation that actively encourages things like this um, because they have like real funding behind it. Like, if you want to put on a conference, you can get funding from PyCon and, and, or from the Python foundation, but you, and you have to follow certain sort of, you know, ways that you do things and stuff like that. But they're very much focused on that kind of stuff. And they sort of, and because they have that more sort of formalized hierarchical structure, it's easier to enforce that. Does that imply a, that the PHP community could benefit from an explicit foundation? I think so. I think that you're never going to get a PHP. It's it's going to be tough because there's just a lot of. I, do I think that it'll be a good idea? Yeah. Um, I think that you need the support of some pretty big names to sort of make that happen, um, and they have to buy into it. And and you know. That's, that's not been the nature of it. It's been very anarchical, right? It, it's very, uh, you know, and well, intentionally so. So I, I, do I think it would benefit from it? Yes. I think that at the same time, it's always going to be, it's going, it's always going to be more limited than we see in some other programming languages and communities. Just because of the nature that has been set is that, you know, the values start you know for in a in a group in a community in an organization come from the top down and the the and much of what is valued at the top of php by the creator and those people closest to uh that group are um are very much uh not um setting up bureaucracies of any kind right well all right so i just want to clarify one point sure. when i was saying um a foundation i was speaking more to the community aspect yeah. i think giving a group at least at this stage control over the language and direction of the language would be a massive mistake even yeah. if we did have a huge buy-in you know it's not mature enough but i would really like to see some kind of a foundation just for like the the general community guidance and the, the the formalities behind 
okay, having somebody who can call out someone for being a jerk on the list right. and have it actually mean something. Yeah, right, you know, right. Th- those kind of, the moderation, the handling of funding and doing things like w- what Rove is doing with the, the sponsorship is absolutely incredible with the Rove Foundation. Right. Um, and, and I'd love to see, you know, a PHP foundation if it would, doing the same thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think that... You uh, also have, I mean, I, some folks have done a, have kind of done a little bit of work in that direction. I'm not sure how far it, it could, it probably could go further. It's a matter of folks sitting down and having the having the time and having the energy to do it. I know Ben Ramsey has done a little bit of yes. stuff like that. Um, but again, that's, that's uh, oftentimes life getting in yeah. the way of that. Uh but yeah, I think from especially from a community standpoint, I think that would be really. I, I would really like to see that happen. Well, and I think the time is right here, and that Andrea leaving is kind of set a little bit of a spark to the community, and a lot of people realize that there are problems that need fixing. So if we can somehow not let that that fire die out, you know, it'd be have to be relatively quickly. But you know, I think we can do something. I hope so. That would be cool. Fingers crossed. All right. I'm, I'm crossing my, well, I, I'm typing, so give me a sec. Now I'm crossing my fingers. So. Don't you normally type with your fingers all crossed and mushed together anyway, Ed? Yeah, it's just, I have a special keyboard with like fist-sized keys, and I just pound on it. Nice. Nice. That sounds fun. Oh, yeah. See, this is why I wanted Anthony on the show. This is why. This uh, has been an awesome, this has been an awesome discussion. Yeah, you're an awesome discussion. Hey, hey, hey. What? It's been 57 times. Let's make sure there's a 58th, Ed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 57, man. Heinz, 57, 57 flavors. All they fucking make now is ketchup. <laughs> Actually, I guess they make like a relish and pickles. Yeah, they do a couple condiments. A couple of those things. Like a 57 of them, though? I don't know about that. It does seem a little bit excessive. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe they did a 57 one time, but, you know, uh, survival of the fittest. <laughs> survival of fitness in the condiment world yes exactly it's like a, don't worry the market sorted it all out the market I, will sor- solve everything i kind of wonder if the condiment market has these same kind of issues no because it's just heinz and everybody else basically at this point ah, okay so. okay I, i'm sure it's all uh i'm sure there's like a thousand brands and they're owned by like three um very large multinational um food conglomerates that would be my guess. Sure. It's like so. It's like so many other things these days. Globalization has just simply meant that you have a, a very small number of very large entities owning everything, as opposed to a zillion smaller ones. But this is not an economics podcast. This is about two grumpy old men complaining about programming languages. Yes. Yes. Also, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of a baby platypus. That's pretty adorable. Uh, you know, I saw a picture of a, what a baby wombat looks like. There was somebody yeah. retweeted it, and it, they look like. Uh, like an ancient kung fu master, they're like all pink and wrinkly, and they have all this fuzz right around their snout, and it totally looks like like your stereotypical kung fu master from uh, like one of the uh, from a kung fu flick with the the long wispy mustache. Mm, I should do that. Yeah, that would be a good look for you. But you know, I think your problem, and you need you need to wait. I don't I don't know if your beard is going gray enough to pull off the kung fu master look. Mine is starting to go gray, but not fast enough to do that sort of thing. Fair I'm enough. just gonna. I'm probably gonna end up with the salt and pepper type of beard anyway. Salt and pepper. Yeah, that's right. All right. Um, 
Yep. I don't think we have, I don't think we have anything else because I think we kind of ended this on a good good with, spot yeah. with you two rapping about the Rove Foundation. I'm sure Evan and Gary will be extremely happy. Rave the found the Grover. Rightfully so. The Rave, the Rave Foundation. Um, I, I was joking that Gary just wants to do this thing so he can act as a chaperone and get to go to way, way more conferences than he's going to already. I bet that's what his real motive for all of this is. Well, isn't that usually how it is? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know if I want to babysit developers if I go to a conference. I have a, I have a hard enough time keeping myself in line, never mind trying to babysit somebody else. Yeah, that's a good point. So I believe we've come to the end of another exciting episode of the Development Hell podcast. This has been the 57th time Ed and I have gotten together, and we, uh, I don't know, I can only speak for me, I hope we get to do 57 more, because um, I always, always enjoy getting together with uh, Ed to talk about stuff. Um, I want to thank, I want to thank our guest, uh, Anthony Ferreira. Did I pronounce, is it Ferreira, is that correct? Or Ferreira, I mean Ferreira. All right, Anthony, thank you for coming. As long as you don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> well, well, late for dinner. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very uh, much for having. So, Ed, uh, let's uh, let's give the sponsors their due. Oh yes, well, we talked about um, Wonder of Network, uh, which is a fun new show on ABC, uh, which is about a couple Canadians who tried to start a business and then were taxed out of existence. And then our second—that's that was that was sort of a joke about your socialist state that you live in, Chris. And then the uh, other one is uh, Gary Rove, um, which is a new crime drama uh, about a lawyer who takes a little bit off the top, but uses it for good things, like sending uh, underprivileged children uh, to programming conferences. Gary Rove. He helps kids. I'm glad I was muted just then. All right. Uh, how, how about our, our one, our wonderful friends at wonder network? That's who I was talking about in the, the Canadians who tried to start a business and they were, but it up. wasn't Canadians because, uh, will to power is not a Canadian. Oh, I don't, an international firm, uh, who, uh, is, uh, based in uh, Caribbean Island so that they're not taxed. Um, founded on the principle of trust and globalism and uh, are responsible for the gentrification of the web everywhere. Wonder Network. The network that wonders. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, so as always, we can't do all these things without the sponsors helping uh, out with our our costs for for hosting and, and bandwidth and all these wonderful things. So, thanks very much to to Rove and the Wonder Network. So, um, as always, you can find everything to do with the podcast at our website devhell.info. Um, two things uh, to go with devhell. Um, first of all, we have stickers. Yes, lots of stickers, and um, yep. I know that Ed has already handed some out at various events that he's gone to. Um, I'm a Waiting for the dog sled uh, team to bring bring my uh, crate full of stickers up uh, up here to Kanukistan for me. Yep. So um, I will be um, I will be having those with me too as, as I go to different places, user groups, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, also I know that Ed is working on a way for people to purchase Dev Hell swag. Um, it's not quite ready to go yet. We will get it working eventually, and then you'll be able to get your hands on the stickers. I also want to tell people. 
um, as an aside as well. Uh, if people have been uh, hearing about um, Cal Evans' um, Wisdom of the Elephant project that he that he put together, um, Anthony, you have a. I, I seem I flipped through. I'm seeing remember I saw a contribution from you in there. You're in no. there, right? No, I not? unfortunately missed it. Oh, you missed. Oh, I think I could yeah. have thought. I could have sworn I saw your thing in there. But anyway, um, it's just uh, it's a book with a bunch of like little tips and and homilies and and wisdom from people that think that they know what they're doing. And I'm in there too. Um, so Cal did this project. He announced it at Sunshine PHP, and so many of the contributors um, have copies of it to give away. So I have a I have about sixty of them sitting in a box here in my office. So uh, as I go to various events, I will be bringing copies of those with me too to um, hand out to people. And we might do a giveaway for some people on the, uh, I think we'll do a giveaway uh, of a couple of them to people if they join our wonderful DevHell mailing list. Get on that mailing list. We'll pick a few people uh, at random and I will uh, drop some copies of the book into the mail for them. So please, please, please sign up for the mailing list and we'll draw some names before the next um, episode, uh, before this episode goes live. Uh, so devhell.info has everything all the episodes uh, you can listen to them there we have lots of extensive show notes Ed always comes up with a really good uh, title for the episode I suspect there will be some kind of Heinz 57 um, pun that's my initial guess although Ed Ed never tells me until it's released anyway um, you, you can also listen to us on iTunes if you do listen to us via iTunes please 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 rate the uh, podcast that gives us some feedback as to what people like and what they don't like um, I know that we have an RSS feed for people that want to pull it down that way as all also, so you can find the podcast itself on Twitter at dev underscore hell. You can find me on Twitter, Grumpy Programmer without the U. You can find Ed as Funkatron with the U. As always, thanks to everyone in IRC for joining and listening to us, and we will talk to you all soon. Good night, Internet.